The Lodge Activity Board is no longer restricted to just three minutes or under. Join Board Director Stefan Reynolds and his co-host Dejour as they dive a little deeper into what's happening in Door County. It's time to go beyond the board with FM 106.9, The Lodge. And this Beyond the Board is going to give whole new meaning to that implication of what it means or what we mean when we say we go a little beyond just activity ideas here in Door County because this particular one will feature my co-host du jour. His name is Charles L. Chick Peterson. And if you are at all familiar with this very rich bohemian artistic community that we live in, well, then that is a name that you know well. And it is also a name that is known by a very iconic national newsman. We'll find out how Chick got on his radar. And before all is said and done, we'll even reinforce that old adage that, yeah, mom really does know best. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we go beyond the board with an e from artist of much renown. The one and the only Walter Cronkite once said, referring to you, Charles, that this man can draw. <laughs> How did that come about? I was uh, beginning to exhibit regularly in the international competitions at Mystic, Connecticut, Maritime Museum Gallery which was one of the major maritime shows of of the world, really. And I was very grateful to have been edged into it by friends who uh, knew my work. And and so I had included in one show a uh, painting of a rough day at sea aboard a schooner, and it won the Hoyne Award. And Walter Cronkite was serving on the committee, which gave it the prize. Did you hear him actually utter those words? No, they sent me a quotation from him after the show was over. I was not there. And what was your reaction? It it was an admiration of Cronkite because he demonstrated his skill of observation, understanding what he was looking at, and phrasing it briefly and correctly. So he really did summarize my whole career in those four words. He nailed it. That's right. This man can draw. Chick, when did this man realize that he could draw? I'm assuming probably before you were a man and maybe still a boy? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, From childhood on, I've always drawn. In fact, I was dedicated to it and uh, infuriated my brothers when I left a baseball match playing on their team and, and drew the baseball game instead of going through it. And and the, my middle brother was just furious that I would do a thing like that. So I have always, uh, always drawn and always admired it. But my family was made up of two brothers and my dad, who were all automotive engineers. Uh, my older brother ultimately became the national service director for Cadillac. So He's one person I've known who, from childhood on, knew who he was, unlike me. You did not know who you were. No, I thought I was going to be an engineer. So that's all I studied in high school, math, physics, chemistry, and so on, and didn't take any art courses. You're growing up, you think you're going to be an engineer, but then you're interrupted by a little thing called World War II, and you enlisted toward the end of the war. Yes. And so this was before you had become a commissioned artist. That happened while you were at sea. I drew uh, views of our ship as though seen 
from a seagull's position. And I sold that one to a shipmate for five bucks. And then I heard three days later that he had sold it to the executive officer for 20. Oh, baby, that's pretty lucrative. So that drew my attention. I was suddenly thinking, maybe it's possible there's a career in this art thing. So now you get back home. And home at that time, were you living in Illinois after you got back from the war? Yes, I went back to my home in Elgin, Illinois. And then what did you do? Did you pick up and start doing art? I did, yes. Uh, I had been sending several of my drawings home with my letters from the Pacific War. And my mother had shared those with the high school art teacher from whom I had not actually taken a course. But that woman said, you've got to send these drawings to the American Academy in Chicago. So here I was coming home with just a vague idea of the possibility of pursuing a career in art. And there's a big pile of brochures and, and an invitation to study there. And I had had nothing to do with that. My mother had run the whole thing. Mom recognized at your very essence, at your heart, you were an artist, a budding artist, and she nurtured that. So you have mom to thank for... Absolutely. She's a a splendid example of the way my life has evolved, being influenced powerfully at the right time by the right people who could do something about it. And nobody's more right than mom. That's right. (laughs) Tell me about the sabbatical when you decided, you know what, I'm going all in on being an artist. No more teaching. I had been here in 1948 after graduating from high school. I took a trip with a pal from Elgin High School, and we got as far as Gills Rock and saw an eagle, which really appealed to me. But I loved this whole area. Anyway, uh, the college gave me a sabbatical and approved of my painting here in our new cottage. And you fell in love with Ephraim. Yes, we did. And at the end of that year, I found I had earned enough painting to match what I had earned as a department head at Marietta College in Ohio. And when I got back to campus, the president said, well, Chick, what do you think of our sabbatical program? And I said, I think it's terrific. I'm going to quit teaching and take up full-time painting. And he says, I think you have misconstrued. Be careful what you wish for. They sent you on sabbatical and lost you to the world of academia. So then you decide to become an artist and you relocate to Door County? Yes. It's amazing when I think about all of the people that probably have your pictures adorning their walls in their houses. And my family is among them. My parents are big fans of yours. My parents, George and Jean Reynolds. And so I grew up always looking at a big painting of an open field with a house in the background, young girl lying on her back, kind of enjoying a beautiful summer day, a landscape, I'm assuming here somewhere in Door County. A lot of your work became painting landscapes, correct? Yes. Uh, I've never joined a school of painting, and I've avoided competitive shows for the most part because I'm completely independent, and I rely on the inspiration of that inner creative personality or soul. Describe that personality to me. <laughs> I, want to, I want to paint what I experience and paint it in an honest way, which 
conveys or communicates my reaction to life. And I think what happens is the viewer of my painting brings his own experience to that. So it, it becomes a conversation, an interchange between him and me. And he may find confirmation of his instinctive reaction to that subject matter. I so totally agree because I can remember... And still, the picture still hangs in our house today. When I look at that <laughs> painting, I think it just so totally captures the essence of a beautiful day in Dort County, laying on your back, looking up at the sky. It can transport me. If I see that painting anywhere, I know right where it makes me feel Thank at you. home, and that's here in Dort County. And can you confirm or can you deny, is that your youngest daughter, Sarah, that is in that painting? <laughs> I, I, it certainly is likely. <laughs> Out of my 3,000 paintings, there are at least a dozen that would have Sarah in them one way or another, perhaps not the solo performer. But you confirm and, and you gratify me intensely by saying that the painting spoke to you about life. We are in agreement, and, and that's my aim, is to tell truthful work in a way strong enough to communicate with other people. And one thing that did work out for you, as you hoped it would, you did figure out that you could make a living doing yes. this. Yes, it went, yeah, very well. And then uh, halfway through the career up here, I was approached by a man named Mark Quayle, who heads a publishing company in Minneapolis. He had seen one of my then recent paintings, involving a ghostly figure, a spirit figure. And he came and talked with Sue and me and convinced us that he knew what he was talking about, that there would be a market for that kind of subject matter on a national scale. And so he distributed that with remarkable success, and, and we very quickly then established a routine. I would stay at home, do four paintings a year, and he would handle the whole process of printing, selling, and distributing across the nation. And it was just incredibly profitable for me. When did you start marrying these ghostly figures with contemporary images like that? That would have been in the uh, 1980s. The, I think the first one I did, I have kept. It's a a man uh, who was captain of a schooner, and we see the wrecked schooner on the shore of a lake. And he's standing, and I imagined him in remorse, wondering if he was responsible for the loss of the ship and of the possible loss of lives with the ship. That became a powerful message, not death necessarily, but the enjoyment of life conveyed through the spirit of people who enjoyed it. So they are sharing their pleasurable experience with us. It isn't a gloomy ghost in remorse, as my first captain was. We embrace you here in Door County as one of our own, and you're certainly very well-regarded, well-known. I would even use the word famous in these art circles here in Door County, but these ghostly imaged paintings and ghost ships that you've become very renowned for you, they've made you known, wouldn't you say, internationally? Yes. 
Did you see that coming? Has that exceeded your expectation? It exceeded my expectation. I was painting for my own pleasure and the hope that I was communicating with people, and I was. But Mark Quayle just elevated that to an international scale. And so within a few years, he, his work uh, had gotten me listed among the top 10 artists of prints in the United States. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I was just delighted. And, I, and again, it's a miracle. I think it's an example of my whole life, and I've been lucky in encountering the right people at the right moment, and they've made my life responsive and, uh, I hope, responsible. Does the word destiny apply? Yes, I would say so. My mother lasted to 104, uh, and then in 1999, she went to heaven, and I think she's still running my life. What keeps you, what has maintained you and given you that drive to continue to self-actualize like that, to create? Well, I like to think that one of the driving ideas in my whole life uh, stems from Ben Franklin, who said, we are here to enhance the lives of others. And that means to me, the life of the artist we try to do something that will enhance other people's lives. And it's so serendipitous. You have no idea how it might please people. As with your artwork and your ghost ships and your landscapes, you must be very gratified to have put so much out there in the world and, and leave this incredible legacy. Walter Cronkite said it pretty well when he said, this man can draw. Yes. What do you owe? people will will say about you when you leave this veil of tears they may well think along Cronkite's lines which are correct that I'm a draftsman painting is helpful and enjoyable to me but I'm primarily concerned about an accurate and real representation of what I'm drawing the drawing is the basis of my art thank you for sharing that art with us and thank you for sharing your thoughts and feelings as we've just gone Beyond the board here on FM 106.9 The Lodge. I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts you want to impart upon us, Chick? Well, I'd like to uh, thank you. You're, you are also in your work following Ben Franklin, and you have enhanced my life today. Thank you. Hey there. Thanks for listening. Find the latest episodes of Beyond the Board on the TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, or right on FM 1069thelodge.com. Don't forget to be social. Like, share, subscribe, and comment to let us know how you felt about this episode.